It's cold in the colony. We are starving. We are in real need of some medical supplies. I have a splinter in my finger the size of a small car. So we've sent Colin out to get some antibiotics in the uh, the waste the wastelands out there. This is We're Not Wizards. It's another Friends of the Show edition, and this one is going to be called Starting a Vault War in the Dead of Winter on the Wasteland Express. I'm your host, I'm Richard, and joining me tonight is John Gilmore of Dead of Winter, of Vault Wars, of the soon-to-be-released Wasteland Express. So how are you doing, John? I'm doing fantastic. How are you doing tonight? I am. I'm doing really, really well. Yeah, I've had a really, really good day, and uh, this is just to. Uh, this is just going to be. Uh, yeah, this is going to be a bit of fun. So um, I'm, I'm excited to be here. Thank you very much for having me. <laughs> I'm, I'm. I'm. I'm glad you're here, and and there'll be a lot of people that will be um, really happy to hear that we've we've got you on the we've got you on the show. Seeing there's the number of times we've been <laughs> we've been mentioning the word dead of winter, <laughs> so <laughs> you'll be glad that um, you won't have to. Um, worry about hearing that again well we'll still obviously mention it because we have to um for those that aren't aware the reason that we do this is because there are simply not enough podcasts about board games and because we've sent colin outside into the wilderness there are not enough board games or podcasts that are done just with two guys um so john um we're going to keep the format as the show is normal. So, f- I mean, one of the first things that we talk about is uh, obviously um, what we've got to the table. Okay. But you're, I mean, you're probably doing what a lot of people listening to the podcast would like to do, which is you're involved in kind of like, you're involved in game design. I mean, you design games that have done really, really well that are out there. So, but I mean, going back, what, I mean, was, was there a game that stood out in your kind of, what kind of games did you play when you were younger? Was it the same as everybody else? Monopoly, stuff like that? or um, You know, grow, I grew up in a very rural area in uh, northern New York. So I really didn't oh. have a lot of people around me. It was just pretty much my sister and I. Right. Uh, so we, we tended to play more video games than board games when I was a young kid. Yeah. Uh, then in high school, I was in uh, Boy Scouts and at a, uh, a big brotherhood type celebration thing where like uh because i grew up like right on the canadian border of new york so they would, do, okay. they would do these brotherhoods where like all the canadian scouts and the american scouts would get together and camp for the weekend oh, that was um cool. so i got introduced to match of the gathering at one of those and you know, right, someone okay. someone sold me a, a starter deck and a couple booster packs and some extra cards and... were they like a dealer did they say you can get your first card for free yeah oh, <laughs> yeah they knew how to do it i mean they yeah, they, they gave me the, the starter deck and some, you know, just crappy random cards for cheap. And then uh, the rule book and sent me on my way. And, you know, within a year, I was an addict. So were you um, did you end up having to, like, sell stuff and seal steal stuff to kind of fund your, <laughs> fund your magic, your magic habit? <laughs> I uh, So it, it was kind of a blessing that I was in a very rural area. Um, yeah. Because I mean, I was I was a, a kid with a strong entrepreneurial sense. So, you mm. know, what I did is I got all of my friends into magic and got a lot of other kids in school in magic. Right, and okay. we, we didn't have a game store within an hour of where we lived. Um, and th- this was before the heyday of the internet. 
Yeah, um, and in the back of Inquest, you know, which is a Magic the Gathering, uh, is an expansion, is it? Or... Uh, is a, ma- a magazine back in the day. All right, okay. Focused okay. on okay. Magic the Gathering. Uh, mm-hmm. In the back pages of that, I found a distributor that, um, after a few phone calls, I pretended to be a business and I was buying <laughs> booster boxes of Magic the Gathering, um, cash on delivery. So were you like get, I didn't, were you getting I didn't, them at cost as well? Were you getting yeah, oh, them a yeah. lot cheaper? Whoa. Yeah, I, w- I was doing it for like a buck fifty a pack. So <laughs> I would, you know, I would uh, buy a booster box of them, and and they worked on COD, which is a thing that doesn't really exist anymore. No, you don't get that anymore at all. Yeah, so I, you know, I called up and they, you know, delivered a box of Magic the Gathering, and I handed over my sixty bucks for sixty booster packs or forty five, uh, however many. And then, you know, they cost me about a buck fifty a piece and I would sell them yeah. for three bucks. And and I would pretty much just sell half of each box and then keep the other half for myself. So you had a little empire going. Oh yeah, yeah. I had a I had a lunch box and I would pat the lunch box with uh you know booster packs. <laughs> And then everybody in my school would come up and buy them during the day. Did you have a little stall at lunchtime? Did people come up and say, "Hey, man, you got any of this? You got this? You got oh yeah, this yeah." Pack? People would yeah. come up to me in the hallway or at lunch, and you know, obviously, what I do, what I was doing, was not really illegal. But no. you know, I, I, I was mean, I was fulfilling a need that wasn't in our community, and it was um, you were being an entrepreneur. That's what they would call that. You exactly. were get, you were getting stuff done. You were providing. You were providing, clearly, you were fulfilling a need in your school. So that was, yeah. So, so, so once you built up your empire and you laid waste to all your competition, I mean, did was there kind of competition? Did competition appear? Did you end up in turf wars? Uh, no, because nobody else really could figure out like how to you know get a hold of them at that cost. Like it, it was funny because I just you know. I, I honestly did most of the, my business on a payphone at school. Like I, I, <laughs> this is I, I would throw, you know, like a dollar in on, yeah. what, on one of my study halls and make yeah. calls to the distributors and get the stuff sent. Um, and, and, they, I, and, and nobody else just thought about it, I guess. And they sent that to Did they send that to your home then? So did you get to the point where you were getting a couple of boxes delivered a week or was it just once a month? Or I'd probably, I was probably doing like two or three booster boxes a month. Um, So, I mean, I I was building a really good collection and, you know, I think at the time the booster packs were actually selling at 350. So like I felt selling them for three bucks, you know, I was doing people a favor. You were still giving people, you were giving people a healthy discount and they were still saving themselves some money. So, I mean, you can't, you can't feel, um, you can't feel bad about that. So, I mean, did that, obviously that was a business. I mean, that wasn't just, you know, you playing magic so did you i take it you played a lot of magic at the same time i mean did that did that help you move into other games is that where you kind of moved on from magic after a while or did you play it for quite some time yeah i played it from about um the dark expansion until the end of the urza saga uh arc which I think was probably about five or six years, maybe. Whoa. So I played it for a good long time. And then um, when I moved to uh, Ohio, and went, well, first of all, when I went to college, like I oddly couldn't find many people that played at my college. No. Um, which was weird. I mean, but then again, this, this was like 1998. So. Yeah. 
so gaming wasn't died. quite as prevalent. Yeah, things kind of died off a little bit by then. Yeah, you know. and then and then I moved to Ohio, and I still couldn't find anybody. Um, but I went to a uh, a booster draft tournament. Uh-huh. Uh, it was probably about an hour away from where I lived, and uh, it, I had the worst one of the worst gaming experiences of my life. Um, Why was I think that? It, it was it was the very first set that uh, Wizards of the Coast had introduced foils in. Right. Okay. And it was a booster draft, so um, you know I. Uh, paid t- for the tournament and I open up my first booster pack and the distribution in magic cards is pretty well set. You know, yeah, it's, you get right. X amount of commons and then two uncommons in a rare. Yeah. 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 Well, and in a booster draft per- tournament, what rares you get is pretty important because that's a lot of what you structure your deck around. So, so oh, sorry, it, go ahead. You got, it was bad. <laughs> I'm guessing well, this was so, bad. So I open up my first booster pack, and the rare spot is a foil basic land. Right. So, I mean, a, a completely garbage card, but it's in the rare spot because it's foiled. And then I open oh, up my right. second okay. pack, and it's another foil basic land. <laughs> so did you just you pack up and go home if you get that? Well, I mean, I built, I, it, and it, was, it was a little bit of a problem because I'd been out of the game for about four years. So I wasn't totally aware of the current meta of yeah. the game. Because you know, really, that becomes really important. Oh, it's super important in a tournament. Yeah. Um, but I built the best deck I could, and then I got eliminated in the first round by like a ten-year-old. Um, <laughs> and and I was like, "Up, oh, that I'm done. I sold all my magic cards." <laughs> Is uh, that a, did you quit? Did that cause you to quit? It, it did. Uh, which yeah, you know, looking back, I regret it. Like I wish I kept my cards just so I could do really, uh, you know. Because I, I had tons of all the old stuff, so I could do some really awesome um, cubes for like cube drafts and stuff. Yeah, yeah, okay. But then, um, I mean, if you hadn't quit, then you would, you didn't, you wouldn't have had this fantastic story that you've just told, which is yeah. got beat by a ten-year-old, and that was it. It's totally <laughs> worth it. Um, so cut to, you know, probably another ten years later, and yeah. uh, my wife and I had been married, uh-huh. and. Um, we, you know, we realized that we were starting to spend a lot of time just watching TV and movies, and we would occasionally go over with her parent uh, to her parents' house and play the more you know traditional board games like Scattergories and Scrabble and stuff like that. Um, and you know, I knew that there were other games in there because like Inquest used to have advertisements for Settlers of Catan. Yeah, and and I was like, I know, I know that there's better games out there. And maybe I can convince her parents to play it because, you know, Phase Ten is just a, an awful game if yeah. you ever played it. And you know, Skipbo and Uno, like those games, they used to fill a niche, but you know, they're they're not as good as they used to be. There's a reason that kind of Scrabble stays in the cupboard for mm-hmm. as long as it does, and a lot of the, like Monopoly is the biggest kind of. Um, you know, everybody seems to have a shot of Monopoly, but everybody also says Monopoly is such a an awful, <laughs> rage-inducing game <laughs> that it should be, you know, it should be just retired. But um, I think that, well, I mean, let's face it, I mean, if I mention board games to people that don't play board games, the first thing that they say is, well, you play in kind of Monopoly or Ludo or Frustration or, mm-hmm. you know, the more inventive ones say Clue or Cluedo. Kind or ri- or risk occasionally. Yeah, yeah. You play that risk game. I love the little figures on it. It's like no, 
there are so many other games out there. So much better. So what? And then, so did you? Did you? You were saying that you were, you know, obviously looking for a game to play with uh, parents. Yes. So what? What did you? What did you end up playing? Uh, so I ended up picking, uh, picking up, uh, Carcassonne. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, Bonanza. Okay. Which I mean are both you know fantastic games, and there's still ones that I love to play. Yeah. Um, but they were they were really good introductions. So with those, you know, I was able to kind of get her family and you know my wife to see that there was more to gaming than just that. And you know, we both kind of got addicted to playing Carcassonne, you know, just two player until we had the game. And mm. if you play a lot of Carcassonne two player, uh, I'm sure most people have had the game where you're just like, nope, we're not gonna play this anymore. Yeah, because we get very very angry when we do. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, um, <laughs> I can just imagine. Does does your wife still play a lot of kind of board games now? I mean, is, she, is her interest in the hobby is it grown? Is is your interest has obviously just gone off the chart? It has. It's 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 really good because we you know we had been doing this you know uh, just playing games a little bit for probably six months or so, and uh, she threw a surprise birthday for me and invited a bunch of people over from like eleven a.m. until you know we got done gaming you know around midnight or whenever. Whoa. Um, and we had a good time, and you know afterwards we're talking, we're like we should do this more often. Um. Okay. So, you know, we talked about it and we we're like, well, what if we, you know, do this every month? You know, what if, what if we, you know, try to get people to come together every month and play this game? So we started up a Facebook group and started to invite friends and hold these monthly game days. Yeah. And uh, we've been doing that every month except for one. Um, let me see. I think... Our latest, our next one coming up will be number 78. Really? So every month. So that's, it's like almost six years. That's amazing. I yeah. Mean, and I, I mean, the social, I mean, one of the, one, I mean, one of the things that I've always seen video, um, video games suffer from is it seems to be moving away from the lack of social interaction Whereas board games seem, I mean, okay, you can go to a video game conference, but everybody seems to be playing single-handedly in a booth, staring at a screen by themselves. I mean, you, but you go to like a, any type of game, board game related, card game, even the skirmish games, you've got people sitting around, even though they're playing against each other, there's the social aspect as well, which I think has really, really helped kind of give maybe board games a bit more of a positive kind of slant. Than, um, than video games. Yeah, um, absolutely. And we and we felt like that social interaction was really important for us and something that you know we wanted to try to promote within our community. Mm-hmm. So like that, you know, uh, what we do for our game days is like we we usually cook like a big main dish, uh, mm-hmm. you know, like a big a couple of crock pots of you know whatever, and mm-hmm. then we just ask that anybody that comes brings like some you know some kind of side dish or drinks or something to share and then you know we have between 20 and 50 people show up every month that's that's really amazing and, I mean, and we, yeah 
spend all day, you know, playing games and, and you know, everybody sharing food and, <laughs> you know, it's, it's great. So where, do, I mean, where did you, I guess the next thing is, so where do you go from hosting board games to actually sitting down and saying, you know what, I could maybe put something together myself because I've got some ideas that might work and I'm not getting that from the games that I'm playing. So, I mean, when did that happen? Um, how, all right. No, I mean, how? No, I mean, I just really intrigued as to, you know, you're obviously very, very involved in the hobby by that. So, what, what was the switch to make you say, let's get creative? I think um, my my story isn't really that unique, unfortunately, and I and I wish it was a little bit more. But um, I don't know the losing to a ten year old at Magic the Gathering <laughs> and saying, Do you know what, forget it. <laughs> That's a pretty good story. <laughs> well, you know, on the on the design side, I you know I started you know kind of just tra- tinkering, making little fan expansions for some games. Yeah. Um, and then you, you do that for a little while, and then you're like, oh well, yeah, you know, I think I I could try to make a whole game. I have an idea that I think is unique, and huh. you know, you make you make that first game, and it's a it's a hard thing to admit, but usually that first game is awful. <laughs> and, and mine was yeah. mine was complete garbage. I'll never go back to it because what was, was just... it? What was it called? Uh, I don't think I ever came up with a title for it. And I really liked the concept. And every time I'm like, oh, you know, maybe I should go back and revisit that concept. I'm like, no, it was bad, and I don't think I can make it good. <laughs> um, it was. You don't want to be that. Okay, this is this is a really good game, and people are going. It's John Gilmore's next game. People line him up, <laughs> and they walk away and go. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm very much about, uh, you know, ideas are not worth anything. So no. a lot of people are like, well, I don't want to tell anybody my game idea because they'll steal it. And that's mm. really the, the worst perspective you could have on creating games. Because if you share your ideas, the only thing it's going to do is create discussion. Like, yeah, I, I'll gladly talk about my first design because if somebody wanted to steal it, they're welcome to. Uh, it was it was a racing game um, where uh, you all the players played board gods that were creating this new sport and their sport was racing humans against each other um, but they weren't allowed to directly interfere with any of the humans so it's a racing game where all of the uh, humans on the track move one spot forward every turn Okay. So everything's going the exact same speed. Um, but what the play of the game was is you would play uh you know, play like obstacles in front of the other players. Or right, you could okay. you could like you could set a bomb off behind your guy to like rocket them forward. Or you could put like an ice patch in front of somebody else or portals or you know, so it was kind of this like wacky race game where it was more the people would move the same every turn, but you were trying to affect how they moved to either slow down the other people or speed you up. I mean, to be honest, I mean, me not being much of a board game designer, that sounds like a pretty good idea. And I'm sure there'll be people listening to this and going, what, John thinks that's rubbish? That sounds good. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to make, and, I'm and, gonna make, I'm gonna make <laughs> that. And if somebody does, please just let me know because I'd love to see another approach at it i just i don't know the solution to make it work we should have a competition to see who can design the best board game and then the person gets 10 10 foil packs of magic if they win. 
10 foil basic lands. There you go. <laughs> yeah, stick that in your pipe and smoke it kind of thing. So, so that was kind of my first design, and I... You know, it took me three or four tries of revising it to realize, like, this just isn't good. Hmm. Um, and then I moved on... Because the other part that kind of influenced me to get into game design was I was working in a factory. Um, okay. And in high school, you know, I had done a lot of art and other creative things. And when I worked in the computer industry before I moved, um, when I got married, we moved into the area where my wife's family lives. So there's no computer industry in this area that we live right now, or there wasn't at the time. So, you know, I ended up having to get factory work just, you know, to make do until something better happened. So, you know, I really felt creatively stifled um, in that I wasn't making anything. Like, even though I was creating a, pro a product for eight hours a day, you know, it wasn't something that I was passionate about. Listen, I know, listen, I know exactly how you feel. I mean... I funnily, I mean, for people who don't know, and there's a lot, of, not a lot of people that that maybe do. Um, one of the other things I do when I'm not doing the wizarding thing is, or that we are not wizards, <laughs> is I draw. I mean, I draw people, and I was, you know, it mirrors exactly maybe what you're saying is that mm -hmm. my job is. Um, I mean, I'm a, I'm I'm in sales. I mean, I sell for a living, and mm -hmm. I'm I'm not bad at it, but. Um, but there isn't as much creativity. So, you know, one of the things that I started to do was to draw people. And that's kind of how we got talking because I ended up drawing, was it you and uh, Jerry Hawthorne and Isaac Vega and Colby as well? And I drew you in a, as zombies for like a, a dead of winter kind of montage. Mm -hmm. um, and that's how we got talking, wasn't it? basically absolutely it's kind of from there so yeah i mean i completely understand if you're in a job where you want to be if your creativeness is maybe stifled in a direction you want it to be then yeah i mean i completely kind of understand that so so the the job that you were doing meant you kind of got a bit more creative out of work so what were what were the fruits of that kind of labor then uh so i i you know i wanted to keep making these games and it, if, if you, you know, for new designers, if you can make it through realizing that that first initial game is probably utter crap mm -hmm. and keep making things, like, that's that's really, in my opinion, the key to its success. Like, just pushing through all the failures. Because even at this point in my career, you know, I have, I have like, 13... 12 or 13 games with publishers right now, you know, not counting uh, Vault Wars and the games that have already come out or that, yeah, you know. Yeah. Um, but there's way more failures than there are successes. And, you know, games that I, I either won't ever get published or that I just shelved because I can't figure out what's wrong with them. Yeah. So pushing through those failures for any anybody that's creative is uh, really important. So, you know, I worked on my Nets thing, and I think my Nets thing wasn't very good. It was it was a take on um, a, a classic card game like uh, like Rummy. All right, okay. Uh, except it was team based, okay. and you you didn't know who your who was on your team. 
So I was I was super infatuated with werewolf and social deduction games at the time. All right, yeah. Um, like, okay. So I wanted to make like a group social deduction traditional card game. Uh-huh. And like uh the, the main mechanic was kind of in Rummy where uh uh you would offer cards to other players and all the cards were multiple use. Yeah. Uh yeah. but you would try to decide by like how you were handing cards to other players and who they were handing them to. You would try to suss out who was on your team. And then, uh, obviously, it had a zombie theme, so it was zombies versus humans. And the cards had, like, some number of brains on them. And the zombie team just wanted, like, every brain that they collected was worth a point. And then the human team was trying to build sets. So, right, like, okay. each, each player scored his individual hand and uh -huh. scored the thing that he had the most of. All right, okay. So like it was it was really cool and it's it's one I probably will revisit at some point because yeah. it was asymmetric, um, team based, but so that that one I shelved and then I made uh, Pocket Dungeon, which now, that is, was two thousand and nine. That was the one that you the, you you say you released you released on the world. <laughs> it was the off, it was yeah. Go ahead. And office productivity has never been the same. <laughs> um, yeah, it was the first one that I felt was good enough to share huh. and i felt okay uh you know with saying here's here's the thing i made tell me what you think of it so i put it on bgg um in the spot and the response was way more than i ever thought it would be um yeah. it was nominated for a golden geek award Whoa. The year that it was, put, it didn't win, but it was still nominated, which is well, pretty I mean, awesome. That's, yeah, I mean that's something that you you can crow about if you get something like that because. Uh, and I think I think it was the most downloaded print and play game that year, maybe. Um, and it was definitely like one of the most thumbed files that came out that year. Um, that's pretty cool. Yeah, it was super cool, and just seeing that response was you know really like oh well, okay well the thing I made wasn't horrible and now you know other people have verified that they think it's okay so maybe i'll try something else so hmm. you know dad I, I had a couple more failed designs in between that and then i started on uh what became dead of winter and i was honestly probably going to release that game as a print and play as well really um well, Which... that could have been that could have made things an awful lot more different. <laughs> yeah, it would have been completely different. So, yeah. um, I'd been working on it for about a year, and our game days were getting bigger and bigger. And uh, one of my friends that I had met locally um, was like, "Oh, well, I know these guys that we used to play Raw Deal with, which is a uh, WWE based collectible oh, yeah. card game." Yeah, okay. So he's like, well, I know these guys that live about an hour and a half away that we used to play Raw Deal with. Do you mind if I invite them to your game day? Because I think they'd really like it. So I was like, absolutely. So these guys from this place about an hour and a half away started coming, and I became friends with all them. And then they were like, well, do you mind if we bring our friends? So they brought their friend Isaac uh, Vega. Isaac Vega. So, um, you know, Isaac was coming to our game day. So I think the third or fourth game day that he came to, you know, I felt comfortable saying like, Hey, I, I don't, I'm, I don't want to, like, I felt weird because we were friends and I was like, I'm not, I, I want, I just want your opinions on this game. I'm not showing it to you because I want anything else out of it. Like yeah. I'm not showing it to you to pitch it. 
But I just want you to tell me whether or not you think this game is viable. good or not, yeah. So, you know, we played it, and uh, we got done playing it, and he was like, that's really good. Um, and he asked me if he could co-design it um, and, with the intention of eventually pitching it to Plaid Hat, because he wasn't full-time with them yet. No. Was, um, he just, fact- was he just... He was... Because he's... He's done, obviously, Ashes himself now, which mm-hmm. is amazing. But he was just part-time kind of there as well, because they've... Plaid Hat have grown, and they've been... Have they been... They've been bought out by someone else, if mm-hmm. I'm correct, yeah. Uh, F, F to Z, the, the same company that bought out um, Z-Man and... Uh, what's the... Uh, the guys that did flick him up. Oh, right, okay, yeah. I know, uh, I know who you're talking about, but I can't remember the... Yeah, I can't remember that. I can't remember that company's name, which is awful. Well, we we were sorry if you made flick him up. Then we 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 apologize to you wholeheartedly for not remembering what you're called. Um, <laughs> um but they but they, had, they yeah they acquired both those companies. And when I originally met Colby, he was the only employee of Plaid Hat. It really? was a completely one man show, and you know he was getting ready to hire Isaac. Does he so, wear his hat all the time? Uh no, not all the time. Not all, but he does wear it. <laughs> Occasionally. Occasionally, right, okay. Um. So, you know, Isaac and I worked on it, went back and forth on it for about two more years before we pitched it to Plaid Hat. And then uh, Plaid Hat liked it, so we just, you know, worked on developing it more. And mm. I, was, I was still full-time at the factory, um... So Isaac kind of took over the development end of things because he was full time in the industry. Yeah. Um, and then, um, and then it got released. And at that point, you know, once it came out and was starting to be successful, I spent a lot of time thinking about, you know, what I want to do because it's a little bit scary. Because I, you know, when I was in high school, I really loved working with computers. Yeah. Um, and then when I got a job in the c- computer industry, like I didn't want to work on my own computer anymore. No, no, and, exactly. And it's a real common thing that, like, when something becomes your job, that you kind of fall out of love with it, and it's because it's something you have to do. Because you're doing, yeah. I mean, you're doing it every day, and sometimes you need to be able to have a distance with it to realize where your kind of your passion lies. I mean. When when you got a copy, an actual finished copy of Dead of Winter, what was that like? Was that a... I mean, what kind of... Do you still remember that day? Do you remember when you got the... Here's your here's your copy oh, of absolutely. Dead of Winter, fully finished. I mean, do you, did you get two? Have you still got one shrink-wrapped? <laughs> I, did I you don't sign have it? A, <laughs> I, I don't have any shrink-wrapped. I'm, I'm really bad. I give, I give away most of my... Uh, yeah, most of my designer copies because yeah. I either give them away to friends and family, um, or you know I'll donate them to you know causes that you know are raising money. So I I still I still have my very first copy of Dead of Winter. It's the yeah. one that I've played probably 125 games of it on, um, and I you know used it for all the expansion work that I did. Yeah. And we'll, um, get, I mean, we'll but, get on to we'll get on to that, you know. And obviously, <laughs> uh, as you're probably aware, I I called I called the long dark, the dark <laughs> night. 
Yes. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, okay, I'm really glad you heard that episode. <laughs> you totally apologize, like, oh, that's good. As long as he hasn't listened to all of them. <laughs> nope, like, listen nope. to all of them. Listen to all of them. No, I called it The Dark Knight. Yep. <laughs> no, I had to apologize. Yep. <laughs> There's very little Batman in that game. <laughs> there, there could be. There could be. I'm not. I'm not gonna ruin any surprises for anybody. I am not. I'm. I. I mean, I am. Um. I'm anxious to get my hands on a, on a copy of it because. Um. Yeah. Just because you know it's it's it's, it's an expansion. It's an expansion to. A, a, a favorite game of mine, but um, that's kind of uh, beside the point. So. Dead of Winter's out there. Mm-hmm. You've obviously um, kind of moved on. Um, one of the things we can touch on. Um kind of later on is kind of what you're working on at the moment and what you've recently kind of been working on as well you know um because vault wars is another game that we've had quite a bit of fun with at the club it's a it's a good old uh, auction game which we'll touch on with you being involved in the industry and with you having to sit down every day with your white piece with your white pieces of paper because i've read this stuff on wasteland express (laughs) um are there games that you're playing at the moment that still kind of get you excited? Is there stuff that you've got to the table? I mean, like what we say is we've got the get to the table kind of section of the show, but is there stuff that you've recently kind of got to the table that you've went, this is pretty good, I like this. I mean, is there games that you, or do you, I mean, you must play a lot of games to help you with your ideas, but are there any ones that you've played recently that you, you've kind of liked that uh, you've really oh, enjoyed? Absolutely. My, one of my biggest problems and my friends made fun of me uh because they every time i tell one of my friends that a board game's good they're like we we can't trust your opinion like i love almost every board game that I play. <laughs> everyone about the only time um that they listen to my opinion is when i tell them i didn't love that game they're like oh well it's probably awful if john didn't fall in love with it then uh we probably don't even want to play it <laughs> i mean do you um do you get people do you get people sending you games do you get like mysterious packages in the post with people saying here you go what do you think of this do you get that people sending you stuff or? every now and then i mean i like to it's important to me um so if if a new designer or someone who's you know working on you know becoming uh you know into the industry if they're like hey will you take a look at my game um yeah. you know I'm, I'm i'm almost always more than happy to make time to do that so um you know if a designer out there wants to you know share a game with me you know I'll usually tell them yeah send me i i can't always take the time to print out and put together somebody else's prototype no because that's, you know, an extra two or three hour commitment that I can't make. But if somebody wants to send me a copy of their prototype, I'm yeah. almost more than happy to get it to the table and, you know, give them some feedback and some help. Because people did that for me coming yeah. in. And you're just kinda you're just kinda playing it forward at the at yeah. the end of the day, yeah. And uh, you know, when every now and then I I, I feel I don't like to get free games because I feel like I'm abusing my power. I even feel bad when I go to a convention and use think, my it, and use my it, industry badge to get in before the door is open to buy like a super hot game that I'm excited about before anybody else can. Is it not just a case though it's shelf space as well? 
mean, I mean, I I have a problem. <laughs> I have a very bad problem. Uh, I I have a ridiculous number of board games. Yeah, like an embarrassing number, like probably in the two thousand range. There's nothing wrong with that. I mean, so, that's you know, you 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 obviously that's you helping to document an entire hobby. I mean, you could catalog that stuff. You could have a shop. I I still try to convince myself that I do it because because of that i don't know if that's true or not but that is definitely the excuse i use on my tax somebody has got to be going out and getting all these games because if some disaster happens <laughs> and we're all wondering what happened to the board games we can go let's head down to john's place john's got all the board games what's well, some, kind of, some kind of strange apocalypse type movie <laughs> Yes. Hey, I tell you what, if Dead of Winter becomes true, we can head around to your house because, you know, we may be cold and hungry and tired, but we'll not be bored. We didn't build a, build a hell of a barricade out of all of <laughs> um, but So it, is, there mean, anything, is there anything at the moment that you're kind of, you're really kind of enjoying playing? I mean, I mean we mentioned off the, oh, yeah. off, <laughs> off the cast, Codenames very quickly. Um, yeah. Um, is there any, anything I else? I love Codenames. Uh, we've been playing uh, a lot of Deception, Murder, in Hong Kong. All right, okay. Um, if you can get your hands on that, that is like Werewolf mixed with Mysterium and Dipset. Yeah, you know that. You know that I'm not a, supposedly. I don't like Mysterium. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Apparently, according to Colin, I don't like it. But yeah, I I, I, I honestly think that uh, Deception is better than both of those games oh well there you go uh it well, does, well, it does you, social deduction well, really well um it does the because what's uh what's neat is that everybody has cards in front of them yeah and the person that's giving clues um after like if i was the uh friends uh investigator and i i gave my clues i have to give my clues silently hmm. but then all the other players have to take turns discussing what they think the clues mean Oh, right, okay. So there's a lot of context within that discussion. That's pretty cool. Um, I just got my copy of Scythe the other day. <sighs> Don't, because I missed out on that one, and I'm gutted oh, no. because I had to get some work done on my car or there was mm. some kind of financial emergency, and I had to go. I had it, and then I went, no, nah, I have to I have to cancel this. I have to. There's a, there is a list, I think, on, of Kickstarter games that I have canceled um, because of financial constraints, and Scythe mm-hmm. is one of them. So you're you're now going to tell me that Scythe looks horrible, has shoddy mechanics, and is potentially the worst game you've ever played. Just to uh, make me feel better. If if it makes you feel better, yes, all of that is a hundred percent the truth. Thank goodness for that. <laughs> it's it's not though, is it? It's brilliant, isn't it? Uh, I've only gotten to play it once with three players, so. All right. Okay. Um, but so far, I really did what it's doing. Okay, I'll pretend I didn't hear that. <laughs> <laughs> but I understand completely. Like I, I backed out of uh, Zombie Side back Black Plague. Like, that was. A, I'm not a huge Zombie Side fan. Like that was one of the games. One of the reasons I started on Dead of Winter because I felt like the other zombie games that existed weren't doing the things I wanted to. Yeah. But I feel like Zombie Side does. Left for Dead zombies pretty well. All right. Okay. Yeah. Um. So I was really excited about Black Plague. So now I'm I'm desperately hunting around to try to find a Kickstarter copy of that. 
they're going for a lot of money at the moment. They're going for about I've seen them for a couple hundred pounds. Yeah, I missed. Um, yeah. I missed like there was uh, somebody listed one, and they were selling it for what they paid. Oh, and I missed dude. out on it. No, I mean it well, went instantly. Like within a minute, somebody had offered to buy it. Well, let's start up the John Gilmore appeal <laughs> for zombie zombie side. Black no. is black flag. No, if I, you I, are I, if you, if you are looking to sell your copy to John, get in touch. I would be more than happy to take your copy off from somebody's hand if they. There you uh, go. We'll put this out there. We will. We'll get everybody to retweet it. We'll get you your copy. Poor, It'll be like poor John yeah, Gilmore. He's... Poor John. Yeah. Get get johnzombies dot com. You heard it here first. <laughs> there is pain. There are tears, but there is also hope. <laughs> um. But okay. So those, yeah, those are a few. Nonsense. Yeah, <laughs> those are a few of the things that have been hitting the table lately, and lots of prototypes. Like I do prototype nights one night a week, so. We so play. is this when you get the cards out and just say, "Okay, let's muck around with stuff and see what we can come up with," or yeah. is it stuff that you've already been doing? Um, it's both. I mean, I usually do most of my like really loose prototyping during the day. Yeah, and I try to bring something that's at least somewhat functional to prototype night. Uh-huh. But we have a, a really great local group of guys who all are interested in designing. So um, there's, I think, at least five or six of us that meet up every Tuesday night. And almost everybody will bring a game. So Yeah, I've seen the, I mean, I've seen the, 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 um, the Facebook posts. You always seem to be playing something and making me wish <laughs> I was playing something as well. But <laughs> no... I mean, are there games that you've... I mean, obviously you mentioned Zombie Zombie Side. Are there any other games that you would like to play that you've seen recently that you would like to get your hands on? Um, I mean, that, that's that been a big one. There's a few... Um, Essen or... Uh, I'm really excited for Yokohama. Yeah. Um, and there's a couple other games from the uh, Japanese game... Uh, fair that really had me excited um and some of the essen releases from last year that we're still kind of waiting for to trickle out over here yeah yeah i mean there's obviously there's then there's also kind of kickstarter games that come out that then get kind of like a get kind of like a retail release as well oh um, and i'm i'm eagerly awaiting my copy of fire team zero yeah uh that was a game that I kid started, um, and it's got gorgeous minis in it, and they had some production problems, so they just sent out the base game. Oh, right, that's a shame. And the base game is pretty decent, but like, there's so much expansion stuff coming that I feel like I don't want to play the base game until I have all that other stuff. So that's that's one I'm really excited for to come in. As you know, we... Um... We do give it a kick, so this seems like a natural progression. Obviously, you're not only um, somebody that you know has a lot of interest on Kickstarter because I think we follow each other on Kickstarter. So mm-hmm. on occasion, see, you know, John's looked at this. John's backed, you know, this, and it's um, you've had um, Heroes and Tricks quite recently that you were involved in with um, was it Eduardo Baraf. Mm-hmm. Um, 
you obviously also had Vault Wars, which was a Kickstarter kind of campaign as well. Um, a lot of people will know you about uh, will know you by Dead of Winter, but there's maybe not as many people will know you about Vault Wars. Um, I have played Vault War. I got. I mean, I've got a copy of Vault Wars. I've had a lot of fun with it, and it's it's for those that aren't aware. It is essentially, you know, all all the heroes that win, that's fine. They go home with the treasure. All the heroes that die, what happens to the treasure that they've accumulated, basically, <laughs> in the, in their vaults? And the idea of this game, it's like a an auction game, stroke almost kind of bluffing game where people take turns to be the kind of the auction the auctioneer. And everybody else decides to bid on certain cards, um, certain treasures, and then they have the option to store these items in order to gather sets of items, or or they have the option to um, discard them, or, or pay for storage, or actually wear them that they have different effects. The question I've got yeah, for you about Vault Wars, the Miser card, the card that said... <laughs> You're not allowed to put any. You're not allowed to store anything that round, yeah. Would you put that in for? Because that lost me my last game. It's, it's you're not allowed to sell anything, right? Yeah, pretty much. Um, <laughs> because we wanted to add a little bit of risk to it. Yeah. Um, and it, it and utterly force, wiped me out. <laughs> and you know, force players like, oh, you might get a lot of stuff, but you're gonna have to store all of it because you're you're trying to infected with the. Uh, the miser disorder and you're gonna hold on to everything for the turn i know it totally <laughs> i think it was like the second last round or something like that oh, and i got yeah. this and i was like yeah i'm gonna win this i'm gonna win this i need to get some stuff because i was aware i was looking at other people's cards and they all had sets of stuff and i went okay i'll get this 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 and this and i couldn't get rid of some stuff so i ended up having to you know, I, I ended up losing money. I just ended up crying. I was throwing stuff about <laughs> the room. I was generally quite quite unhappy. But um, yeah, I mean, Vault Wars is, 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 is fun. Can people, um, is it available out there kind of commercially? Can people pick it up? Yeah, I believe uh, through floodgate.com. I know okay. that we uh, just did a second printing. Cool. So oh, hopefully uh, that should be either here or here very soon for Gen Con. Um, but if it's not if it's not available right now, it's available for pre-order at floodgategames.com. That's floodgategames.com. And and pick yourself up. I mean, what's how much is it, about $25 or something? Uh, I think it's 25 US, yeah. That's not bad. I mean, it's a good it's good it's a good fun game and we've played it we've played it a good few times at the club and we had a we had a lot of uh, we had a lot of fun with that. It was it was kind of cool. Um, heroes and much. tricks. Hero, heroes and tricks. I mean, you designed it. I mean, it's, it's a good game. Um, well, thank you. You know, it's a, it's no, it's, a, it's good fun. Heroes and tricks. That was another one that we we kind of I mentioned on briefly. Um, that's been successfully funded. Was that last month or the month before? Um, it started in May, so it ended last month. Yeah, yeah. How's how are you getting on? How's how's production moving on with that? Then is that. Uh, it went real good. All the all our, we did another large. I'm very big about doing large play tests for all my games. Yes, um, that was something that was important to me with Dead of Winter, and yeah. Yeah, because of that, Plaid Hat started doing a play test corpse where you know, we ran Dead of Winter through a hundred groups, which was 
kind of unprecedented. I won't say it was unprecedented in the industry because I'm sure there's been other people that do that large of a, a play test. But yeah. it's definitely unprecedented for Plaid Hat um, to have 100 groups playing a game and you know ask them to play it 10 to 12 times within a month period is pretty huge. Um, so we've I've tried to push that with every game that I've done so far. So we did that with Vault Wars. We did it with Heroes mm. of Tricks. Um, and it just wrapped up all the playtesting. So we're in the process of putting the final polish on it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it should, I believe the Kickstarter says fulfillment will be early next year. That's but, cool. but I know Ed's a little bit conservative with his uh, estimates. So people may see it a little bit before then, like maybe around yeah. the holidays. But I don't want to promise anything because it's not on time. Yeah. No, I mean, um, Ed, Ed Warubara, if you, um, he's, he, the last game that he did was also a Kickstarter kind of lift off, get me off this planet. But he's quite active on the scene in terms. He does a lot of YouTube videos and let's plays and and stuff like that. He's he's actually well worth um, kind of check um, checking out. I'll, I'll probably put a link. Um, I'll put a link to him in the actual show notes. Um, because I th- um, yeah, Liftoff's a great game if you haven't mm-hmm. if you haven't if you haven't played that. Um, yeah, it's very my good. Son, me and my son played that, and and he was the quality of the pieces were um, were kind of very 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 good. I think um, you'll I think you'll be surprised. In Heroes and Trits, one of the kind of novel things about it is the box is a component of the game. I saw that that you actually use the box in order to play the game, and that was I think that was one of the things that made me think, mm, this is going to be um, this is worthwhile. Definitely, kind of um, yeah, definitely th- kind of looking at you know. I think we had a pretty unique concept that we came up with, and and Ed took that attention to detail. And put it into the box, so the box really stands out as something special. Is I mean, Kickstarter seems to have been quite um, quite good for your yourself. I mean, is that a route that you're going to continue to take? Because obviously, on the other side of it, you've got the plaid hat side of things. They they seem to they don't seem to go down the Kickstarter route at all. I mean, they're releasing. Um, they've obviously had their entire Mice and Mystics. Uh, season uh, series of games they've got their new naval game which is coming out which i can't Seafall? remember seafall which i've looked at i'm um, really excited for that one i've lo- i've looked at that do you know what I, I i had an email conversation with brian from plaid hat about the shipping to the uk because i think the shipping is about it's another 60 pounds on top of it um so I was I've kind of like went <coughs> yes, and then went mm. no. I might have to I might have to wait until it comes over to the to the UK. But also, obviously, they've got um, what you, your friend um, Isaac also has done kind of Ashes as well, mm-hmm. and that's got kind of expansion. So they they gen- they seem to be going with a model of funding stuff themselves, and then obviously putting it out. They don't seem to go down the Kickstarter route. You've Correct. done a lot of a lot of Kickstarter stuff. Um, what's your? I mean, I. I asked, you know, I've asked this of, you know, when I interviewed kind of Jeffrey Greer, I asked him about his thoughts on the Kickstarter. With you kind of being an established, well-known kind of game designer, um, do you have an opinion on seeing like the black, you know, the the zombie side guys kind of sticking a Kickstarter on there? And um, is it a really, really good thing to have? Is it, you know, sh- you know, these big 
bigger companies putting Kickstarters out there or do you think they should maybe take the plaid hat route or is it up to them really how they do it because I mean it's it's totally up to them I I think that Kickstarter is fantastic for smaller companies um, because it, it is very expensive to print a board game I mean even a smaller board game like uh, you know, Vault Wars, you're talking probably like twenty-five to thirty thousand dollars up front. Yeah. To publish it, so yeah. kids, you know, Kickstarter obviously helps you leave that upfront thing. Yeah. Now, I yeah, you know, in my opinion, it, it's tough. It's it's really tough because I I don't want to say that I don't think any company should be using it, but I feel like. At a certain point, it gives the company some level of legitimacy to not put games on Kickstarters, but then you can put yeah. uh, you can put a game with an IP on Kickstarter and you know make a hundred thousand dollars without a lot of work. Yeah. So I mean, I, I don't have a problem with the bigger companies doing it. I think at some point a company should say, "Oh, well, we don't need it," because really, if if they could run their own pre-order campaign. Like yeah. G- GMT does the P500 system uh-huh. where mm-hmm. when they announce a new game, they wait until 500 people have pre-ordered it through their website and then they put it to printing. Yeah. yeah. So they made sure that the demand's there before they print and yeah. doing something like that. I mean, you aren't paying Kickstarter the extra 12%. So even if you made a little bit less by not getting that advertising, you know, once you've built up a customer base, yeah, you know, I, I always think that a co- you know, companies need to think like, oh, well, we could just do the status quo, but what if we tried something a little bit different? It's, um, and I, I like it when companies do, but I, I don't have a problem with it. It's, I mean, let's face it, things are finding their feet. And if you are able to get out to a massive audience on a platform that a lot of people, I mean, let's face it, Board Game Geek have on their newsletter, they have like, the here's the kind of the kickstarter of the the week and they usually put Mm -hmm. one or two up i mean obviously i hear from kickstarters through friends that are back and stuff you know i i go out and check stuff kind of myself so it is a a kind of a a kind of a marketplace i guess unless you're really strong and fierce on your marketing um and i I think maybe it's more on kickstarter like maybe they should change what they stand for yeah yeah because it used to be a platform for small businesses and people with ideas to launch those ideas yeah and if, if that's what they want it to be then that's fine but they've got they, to kind of stick to that ethos haven't they I mean, they either have to stick to it or change and say hey yeah we, we're a pre-order system there's nothing wrong with that i mean that's that's fine i don't have a i mean i i don't actually have a pro i, I don't really have a problem with it because there's a lot of really really happy people out there that have gotten to the have really got into board gaming and it's given a lot of companies a lot of exposure and it's given mm-hmm. a lot of companies a, a more stable financial base for them to go out and and, and and you know build more exciting kind of um games and i guess it also allows them to kind of take a risk as well you know there's there's nothing to stop you know cool mini or not saying guess what guys we're not doing a kind of the standard miniature game we're going to do something slightly different and there's a chance that a lot of people, based on the fact that they they do what they do, um, will go ahead and back them. So it's it's, it's kind of um, it's kind of interesting. 
Yeah, and it's nice, it's nice because a company can kind of, like you're saying, explore that and say, oh, we want to do this thing that's different and we want to make yeah. sure that it's you know, not going to be a huge failure first. Oh. I've just had something fall off the wall. <laughs> One of my kids' pictures. Oh, no. It's fine. It's just a piece of paper with a with a clothes peg on it, but um, you should have stuck it up with something a little bit stronger. It's all good. It's all good. But yeah, um, so um, yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, as I say, if they change it, that's fine. If they stick with the status quo, it's going to be fine. It's still a very, very exciting time. I mean, who would have thought that um, they said recently that more people are going to kickstart board games than they are doing for video games now because mm-hmm. nine times out of ten or 99 times out of a hundred you are getting the product whereas it seems video games you're getting kind of delays or you're not getting you know you're getting a really really kind of disappointing kind of product um there was a i think a, a game based around the or very close to like the Mega Man franchise that got released recently and it was on the back of a kickstarter and i think it got panned universally by the critics mighty number 7 i think was the game yeah right? mighty 7 or mighty number mighty number mighty 9, number nine yeah. yeah yeah and it, yeah i guess because on kickstarter everybody's pushed to making let's play videos and get previews and you know, previews done and actual almost like mini kind of pre-release reviews done, then you're kind of pretty sure of what you're going to get at the end of the day, which is kind of cool. Well, yeah. and, and you know, I think I think one of the things our industry needs a little bit more of is a little bit of transparency. Like, yes. and it's something that the video game industry is discovering. Like, there was just a you know big controversy about some YouTubers being paid by Warner Brothers. Yeah. Uh, to promote their games and not disclosing that. Yeah. And, and there are some YouTubers that are very good about disclosing that it's a paid Kickstarter preview. Yeah, and then there's I think other... it was the manner that, you know, they were told that make sure what you do is you have lots and lots of text before you say this is a paid um, advert. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you had to click more. You know, you, if you see the text on YouTube, you've got the show more bit that kind of expands everything. And they were kind of saying, well, listen, you have to press the show more button. And then that will show you at the very bottom it was a paid advert. And I think the the um, the advertising guys went, hmm, this, um, this is not good. Yeah, but, and, then, and there's a big controversy right now. Um, Counter-Strike Go, oh, yes. uh, uh, the, the betting websites where you go and oh, you, yeah. put, you put up your items and you feed them to a bot and then they get randomly redistributed. Who would have thought that people kind of selling kind of different colored skins for guns would have been such a money-making kind well, of idea, you know? Yeah, the, 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 the YouTubers that are promoting that own the company. Yeah, exactly. And, and don't disclose it. And then so, their, def- their defense was, well, you know, people should be checking out the ownership, the owners of a website before they click on the link. And it's like, no, nah, <laughs> nah. Uh, what? <laughs> yeah. And, and, you know, I think, yeah, I think, I think we need a little bit more policing of kid starters too, because it's, there's a plague and, and I, I promised myself I wouldn't get into it on this, on this podcast, but there's, you know, a lot of games that don't, necessarily promote good things yeah and you know that promote sexism and racism and stuff like that that make it to kickstarter and either aren't upfront about it or occluded a little bit 
or yeah. just you know fly in the face of oh we're being super offensive and yeah. you know those things i think are bad for our industry yeah i think yeah there's the i think cards against humanity is um is uh, you know some people find it very very fun um i've read i've read reviews uh, shut up and sit down did a one of the guys paul dean did an excellent mm-hmm. kind of write-up about um cards against humanity that if you haven't read it then it's worthwhile kind of having a look over it's kind of an interesting his take on on where it is um where it was as a game and obviously that's moved on to i guess you get with any games you get a lot of clones and if something is very very successful then um you're always going to get a clone if that ends up being a bad thing for something um Mm -hmm. sometimes it can be a good thing but I mean, the the standard joke on Kickstarter is there's always somebody that's making chess version two or super <laughs> chess or, you know, chess, you know, chess, 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 or, you know, look at this, <laughs> what a lovely big chess kind of thing. Yes. You know? <laughs> there's, and there's always going to be people, there's always going to be people like that. Yeah. <laughs> so, know, I mean, but, as creators, just everybody needs, anybody who's out there making games should just think about like, how how are the decisions that I'm making in this game and how how is what I'm going to put out there going to affect other people? Mm-hmm. Is it going to make people happy or is it going to make people feel bad about being who they are? And yeah. if, if the answer is the former, then don't do that thing. Yeah. Like, if, you, if you're just making a cloned knockoff of Cards Against Humanity, which then you're not designing the game. No, you're just it, you're jumping. You're jumping on somebody else's bandwagon of ideas and and trying to ride the kind of the the gravy train i guess you know Um, yeah and and, you know i think i think we just as an industry need to stop accepting like oh that's okay hmm. and you know games that promote that kind of uh, you know not i feel like cards and humanity has made steps to fix the things that they did wrong Hmm. um you know they they took out a lot of the really offensive cards yeah and you know a lot of the other points that paul brings up about you know you're it's not you're not really being funny when you play it um you know you're just you you're putting together a punchline that doesn't take a lot of thought no i you know i i agree with him but i think if people like that that's fine because it it's going regardless of how good or bad a game is like people pan munchkin and flux yes uh but if those games help bring more people into the industry I think yeah. that outweighs the them not being good. Yeah, I mean, it opens their it opens their eyes into what else is available, which is always a you know somebody that's got cards of humanity might also pick up code names. They might pick up um, one you know once night a werewolf. They might pick up you know then they might move on to Carcassonne. They might move on to mm-hmm. Kenny and other games. You know, um, and, as I, well. and so I think that that's always, okay. That can always be a good thing. Yeah, yeah. Now. Um, we're obviously we are going to talk about the the Wasteland Express, but we had. I went. Oh, I'll, I'll put out a question if anybody's got any questions for John. And you know what happened? There lots were questions. Of que- there were lots of questions. So I'm going to run through. I'll go. Um, run through as many as we can. Um, we can't promise we're going to get any of them, but um, I'll, I'll get the all the way through them because there are some. There are some interesting ones, and there's also some. <laughs> There's a couple of guys that have just complained, <laughs> which is quite. You'll have which those. Is quite good. 
Yeah, well, that's the boys from Polyhedron Collider, mm-hmm. which I think you you picked up on. But we'll, yeah. we'll read them out anyway. Um, there's a this is from the kind of the um, a couple of guys have DM me directly, just asking. Um, this is obviously in relation to possibly Dead of Winter. How do you design a co-op board game? Um, that to minimise the quarterback effect, and I guess what they mean by that is one pair, one person taking charge and running the show. Um, I guess that's one thing that you see with pandemic is that you get, you know, somebody goes cure this, cure this, cure this, go here, you go there. Um, D, I mean that doesn't happen as much in or a lot in Dead of Winter because I guess the scenario is so many different scenarios I mean were you conscious of that when you designed it that you needed to make the kind of the variables of the outcomes and the scenarios as different as possible um I think I think that was part of it the other thing is um that you know we have a hidden traitor so you can't fully trust anybody's motives yes like if you if you're telling me to go do something you're telling me to go do that and even with just the secret objectives if you're if you're telling me to go do something it's probably because you have other stuff to do so why should i listen to you i have Mm. my own stuff to do okay um i I think i really think the quarterback issue is about 75 percent a player issue and about 25 percent a game issue so you can you can do things to help relieve it a little bit yeah. Um, like Flashpoint does a good job. If you've ever played it, it's the firefighting game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, it's yeah. very, it's very similar in play styles to Pandemic, but it adds a rule where a player can uh, save their action points for the next turn. And like that, that little change makes it so that a player who doesn't know what to do has a safety valve. You don't have to spend every action as efficiently yeah. as possible. You can say, oh, I don't know what to do. I'm just going to pass gonna, and, and save these other back. two points. Yeah. So, you know, you don't have another play, player telling you what to do. You still can. I mean, mm-hmm. it's still, it still happens in that game in Dead of Winter, but in Dead of Winter, you can just tell the other player to sod stop. off. Yeah, stop it. <laughs> so, sort your life out, basically, or you're going to get <laughs> exiled, mate. Exactly. And that, was, that question was by um, Lion Yeti. Um, the next one is by uh, C Birdsong. Um, he says, the, "I don't know if you have anything to do with this, but he says the Dead of Winter card replacement app has a substantial rules change where you don't get to know the results of a choice before choosing it." What's up with that? What's up with that, John? What's up with that? What's up um, with that, John? <laughs> I I definitely have opinions about that. Ooh. <laughs> Uh, all right okay i i've i have stated those opinions on board game geek all right um i probably shouldn't restate them but if people want to look they can go find what i feel about that well if you pop me a link i can always put it in the show notes so people can read it well i mean basically boys down to ever since the game i'll just say it anyways i don't care Mm, uh since the game came out players said that they thought that the crossroad cards would be better if they behaved like that so yes. with with the app, we gave players the ability to play the game the way they wanted. All right. Okay. In my opinion, it's not the best way to play the game hmm. because here's here's the situations. You've played yeah. Dead of Winter a good number of times. 
Yeah. So if you're using the app and a new player is reading a crossword card, and let's say, um, you know, Mary is a new player, and uh, she has to make a decision, and all she knows is what the text says, but not the actual outcome of it. Yeah. Like the app does. Then the the outcomes are either a she chooses randomly, and she could possibly make a choice. Like let's say we have one morale left, and option A is nothing happens and option B is we lose a morale. Yeah. So she either chooses randomly and we 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 have a 50/50 shot at losing the game. Yeah. Or B, you say choose option A. Because you've played the game before. Because you you've played the game the before. Card, yeah. And you remember yeah. the card. So it, essentially it's the same thing as reading out the entire card except mm-hmm. you're taking the decision away from that player. And yeah. she's saying she's doing what you said instead of making that decision on their own. Herself, yeah. yeah. So if if people want to play that way, that's fine. And if you and, don't, you're better using the. I guess you're better using the original card. No, you can you totally, can. you can totally yeah. still play it that way with the app. You yeah. can you can go and look at the result and then back arrow and look at the other result. All right, okay. and then make the decision. So I mean, I love the app because it does all the narration. It helps people who don't want to read. Uh, the card, yeah. Um, but I mean, I think th- there's still plenty of good things about it, and and these things that with feedback they can change. I mean, with feed, you'll probably find you know you give it, you know, with the new expansion coming out, they might address that and they might say, okay, here's the option: you can either have option A mm-hmm. where it gives you the choices, or you have option B where it yeah. blanks them out. You know, you, there's because it's an app; these things can be can you know these can be pretty fluid as well. I mean, that's not. A, and, it's not and, an issue, but yeah, and we want the players to play the game that they the way they enjoy it. Like yeah. I mean, just like they can play with or without a betrayer. Yeah, exactly. If if you don't want that experience, that's fine. And if if you want a slightly more story rich experience, um, but I also feel like if you have to make a decision about your life of like, do I move to a new city? Like as a human, you can kind of extrapolate what the outcomes are. You yeah. can say, oh well, if I move to the new city. Uh, I'm gonna have to make new friends, and I'm gonna have to, you know, get a new apartment, and may have yeah. to buy new furniture, or move, or whatever. So yeah. I, f- I feel like it's not that far of a thematic stretch to say that when you're at these crossroads, you can figure out what the results are. Yeah, cool, cool. Next question we have, um, as you probably listened, we got Nick. Nick is a question um, junkie. On, on Twitter, if we say go and ask him some questions, Nick's usually got about five or six. Absolutely. Um, and as you know, his first question is always yes with a question mark. This is uh, Nick. He's um, at Lane Lane at three sixty. Um, his next question is: How are my non-wizard friends today? Fantastic, Nick. Thank you for asking. Absolutely fantastic. <laughs> uh, he says, "What game should I get next?" Well. Um, I was going to say, oh wait, he's tied it in with the next one, which is, he's asked if I'm going to get him a copy of Dead of Winter, which is nice of him. <laughs> um, what game should he get next? Well, um, Wasteland, mean, Ex- Wasteland Express is coming up on Kickstarter. Yeah, uh, no, that will not be on Kickstarter, it'll be pre-order. Oh, pre-order, sorry. Yep, that one uh, is not going to be Kickstarter. Oh, there you go. So we'll talk about that in a minute, actually. Um... His next question is, have you ever read any of the White Wolf fiction? 
I've not. I've only played uh, one White Wolf RPG. Okay. Um, and I liked it. And I, and I played some D and D in high school. Um, mm. And I'm and I'm more into storytelling games now than role playing games. Yeah. Because I feel I feel like I really like the role playing and less of the game portion of it, which oh, is right, odd. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I, I like rules light systems like Dungeon World, yeah. where it's more riffing. Um, but no, I've never read any of the fiction. But if he has some suggestions and some really good arcs, I love to read. So, well, I will. I will, I will I'll respond to Nick because Nick's a good friend of the show, and I'll I'll I'll, um, I'll ask him to uh, pass over his recommendations. Well, then I should I should probably send Nick a copy of The Long Night then. <laughs> That seems like a nice he's still thing. Want, he's still wanting the dead of winter. You if, know that. If he, if he doesn't have a copy of The Long Night, uh, I could probably be convinced to send him one. Oh, there you go. See, there you go, Nick. And I'll sort you out with Dead of Winter, the base game, okay, Nick? <laughs> oh, well, you know, it was his birthday last month, so he's probably oh. due something. He's well, then I feel, like, I feel like I have to. No, you don't have to. Don't, because <laughs> he'll just ask for more things every week then. Oh. And then it, it would be... We'll turn into like it'll be like it'll be like school again. You'll be sending him stuff. Um, <laughs> you'll be sending him foil magic, the gathering cards. Um, <laughs> um, his next question is: I've heard your stance on wizards, but what about druids? They're kind of like wizards. The stance on druids is quite simple: is that druids are failed wizards who decided to who got too close to herbology. Um, <laughs> They like their sticks, their stones, they're staring at their moon and they're kind of swimming in the river naked and we we just put them as lazy wizards so we don't, you know, we just leave them alone. They're usually harmless but they can be slightly annoying and, and they obviously like lentils a lot as well so you don't want to stick around for them because they pass wind quite a bit. Mo- so mostly like harmless them. is the classification. Mostly harmless. Um, another question from uh, King... Kiwi God, um, he says, ask John when he's most in the zone for thinking about new aspects of an amazing game. Um, is it at home, at work, or when you're eating, I guess? You work from home, don't you? So, <laughs> Well, I actually I started renting an office about four or five months ago. Oh, uh, there you go then. Just to kind of get out of the house a little bit so I can, yeah. I can pretend that I go to work every day. That's kind of cool. Um, where, are you go- where are you going, honey? I'm off to the office, honey. <laughs> yeah, I'm, just, I'm off to the office. Don't. That way the kids just, can't just walk in when I'm yeah. reading comic books or whatever it is that I'm doing during the day. <laughs> I'm trying to play faster than light here. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love FPL. That's an excellent yeah, game. Just leave, you know, just, leave, just leave us alone. <laughs> I'm up to this level. Come on. <laughs> My engine's just gone. Um, inspira- uh, inspiration kind of hits me everywhere. I I try to write down ideas whenever I think of them as soon as I think of them. Um, so whether it's, you know, I, I've had times where I wake up in the morning and I like dreamed about playing a game during the night. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, that would be fantastic if there was a card-based robot fighting game with minis that you like steered your robots with your deck we always joke about a steampunk zombie game yeah so like sometimes i'll just have weird dreams about stuff like that and then write those ideas down or uh, you know sometimes they just be through a conversation where somebody says something that's you know apropos with nothing and and you go ah I mean, give yeah. me a second let me yeah. just get my notepad out that let me jot that down 
That was interesting what you said about the mechanic about going and feeding your rabbits. <laughs> yeah. Kind of thing. Um, he's also asked, this is the same question from uh, King, King Kiwi God, he's also asked, how close is the retail version to the first version of Dead of Winter that you created? Uh, it's very different. Okay. And that's, that's really the path for any board game. Yes. And it's, it's frustrating for new designers um, when they're like, no, this was my concept for the game. This is your foot. Yeah, this is the first vision, and this is the way I'm. Uh, this is the way I'm going to keep it. Yeah, because a lot of times, I mean, the publisher has their own vision. Once they see what you're working on, hmm. um, you know, the art may not be the style that you envisioned. Um, no. So that's that's always part of the process. Is yeah. it just changing dra- dramatically or dr- dramatically? Not made up yeah, well, the, ga- the game we spoke about recently on the last um well the last episode me and colin did was catacombs and the the third edition from catacombs went in a completely different kind of art direction mm-hmm. from the previous versions and they, they turned it from something that looked like a a descent kind of dungeon crawler into the kind of the cartoon um the cartoon masterpiece that it kind of is today now um, now i haven't listened to the last episode um, what's interesting about that third edition of Catacombs is that Quan Chai, uh, the the gentleman who did the art for it, yeah. uh, had done the art as a fan expansion for it, where you could really? download it from Board Game Geek and re-sticker it with that style of art. Really? And then they're like, that fan-based that's... thing. And th- th- what's really cool is like that's a big part of our industry. Like you yeah. can You can make fan content for things because people will see that. Yeah, well, I've heard about fan content for kind of Dead of Winter. I mean, I've heard about people substituting kind of different things for the zombies, like wolves and stuff like that, and tried different kind of ways of doing it. And I'm, you know, I guess, you know, that's you in video games, you get mods. So I guess mm-hmm. in board games, you're going to get kind of like your fan, your fan input as well. I mean, just don't make anything, uh, don't make any fan content for Game Workshop, obviously. <laughs> Because they they will send somebody to kill you if you do, <laughs> and they actually send somebody dressed up like an inquisitor or something like that. You get a blood angel turning up at your office, <laughs> and I'm not I, I'm not supposed to talk about it much yet. Um, yeah. But I know I know that it's been officially now. So I did one of the haunts for the new version of Betrayal. All right, um, and I will say that it was inspired uh, by some of the the fan things that people did with Dead of Winter. Oh, cool. So, I'm really excited about it. Well, that, I mean, I guess that's the other thing. If you see an idea and might spark a little bit, uh, you know, spark something else, which gives you even more of a, you know, an idea for something else. Mm-hmm. Um, Kiwi God also asks, um, how did the did the theme evolve at all? When you started off designing Dead of Winter, did you, was it a these are guys that are lost in a colony, no food, no water, potentially ill, and they're fighting against, you know, they're going to have to come up against zombies, or did it evolve from something else? The theme started pretty dead on. Like, I knew I wanted it to be a zombie game that focused on the survivors mm-hmm. uh, and took place in a really harsh winter. Like, those three elements were there from the very first version. Fantastic. Um, um, cool. Yeah. And as I say, it's I mean, it's just a it's 
it's almost like this is a survival game and there's some zombies on the side a lot of the time because mm-hmm. most of the most of the most of the kind of the suspense actually is caused by players you're playing with sometimes more than the zombies except absolutely. when you absolutely. except when you roll the red dice and you get that <laughs> little tooth mark coming up and then you're like damn it and you know we had we had talked about retheming it for quite yeah. a while during the development process because mm-hmm. we're like oh people are gonna hate another zombie zombies. game but yeah. then you know we talked through it and I, and I was like i think changing it wouldn't be true to the game and no. and it's not just another zombie game in my opinion no, it's not. It's you know what? It, it sounds weird, but the comparison I've always thought in my head was kind of Shaun of the Dead. Mm-hmm. Shaun of the Dead was like a romantic comedy that just happened to have zombies around it. Dead of Winter is like a, it's a, an apocalyptic kind of survival game, um, which just happens to have zombies kind of surrounding it as well. Oh yeah, Shaun of the Dead was a huge uh, influence. I'm a, oh, I'm a big go. fan. There you go. Um, okay, Polyhedron Collider, friends of the show, have said they've just asking a whole barrage of questions. Like, and I'll say this in a nice kind of um, calm voice: Why do you hate me? Why do you feel the need to punish me? Why is every game of Dead of Winter a soul-destroying defeat? <laughs> I can answer that, and I think the simple answer to that is to get better. Yes. I think. <laughs> Stop. Uh, I think you replied to what other? Oh yeah. They also said that horse has been used for meat so much we made a range of ready-made lasagna, and still the colony starves. <laughs> when we were in playtesting, we aimed for about a thirty percent win rate because I, I feel like thirty to thirty-five percent for a co-op game is right where it should be. You fought for that win; you can yep. deserve that win at the end. I like your 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 reply is because you replied on Twitter. <laughs> Are you playing every single outsider card you find? Most people do, and you shouldn't. I didn't know that. I didn't know you could decide not to bother taking an outsider. You could just leave them there. That That is the, as, as far as I've gathered over the last couple of years, that is the most commonly mistaken, one of the most commonly mistaken rules. Um, there you go. Because the rule book says that every card in the deck is an item card. But they mm. say events. When people say, see event, they think they have to play them. So it can be a little bit confusing, but yeah, for anybody listening, you don't have to play outsider cards. You can trade them, you can request them. In fact, like in my group, if you have more than one more outsider than any other, or one more survivor than any other player, you're probably yeah. going to get exiled. Oh, well, so because because more dice yeah. is more you can, and when people complain about the betrayer double turn, like yeah. I think. Them not understanding that rule plays into that the majority of times, because you shouldn't have more than two or three survivors. No. If you have if you have five survivors and you have six dice to spend swinging morale, then yeah, you can yeah. make a big swing with two back to back turns. Yeah, yeah. But with with three dice, you're not going to make a huge swing. No. No point. So, and the last thing Polyhedron Collider said, we had a couple of wins under our belt, started to get cocky and pushed the difficulty up. We were not ready. And that, again, just goes back to stop being <laughs> stop being rubbish. Yep, just be better. <laughs> stop being... Co- yeah, just be better. You know. hard, hard mode is supposed to be hard mode. If, if normal mode is 35%, hard, hard mode's mode. more like 10. Well, there you go. 
And oh, here we go. Yeah, Nick, I was looking for this, but Nick did come back and ask when I'm sending him a copy of Dead of Winter. <laughs> he's obviously what he's you know he's just pushing it far too much. But that's that's entirely up to up to himself. <laughs> um, obviously, we've done give us a kick. Which is cool. Um, one of the things that we always do is we do shout outs and we do like a list of podcasts and friends of the show and stuff like that. And I don't want you to have to sit through kind of um, that. Um, and we do it regularly enough that everybody that you know that we everybody that we we speak about knows that we speak about them anyway. Um, but obviously, the shout out is a chance for you to tell us. Um, about new product, new projects that are coming up. Um, as I say, we've mentioned Heroes and Tricks, um, mm-hmm. which is successful. But Wasteland Express looks very, very interesting indeed. So um, I'd love to hear a little bit more about it. I have not. I'll tell you. I've not. I've looked at it. It looks very, very interesting. But for anybody that hasn't had the time to look at this. Give us a rundown about, you know, what is Wasteland Express and, and why should they be thinking about it? Well, it's a uh, post-apocalyptic uh, pick-up-and-deliver game that was designed by Matt Riddle, Ben Pinchback, and myself. Uh, those cool. two designers have designed some fantastic games. Yes. Um, so I was really excited for the chance to work with them uh, when they when they approached me. Cool. Um, so it's, it's a pick-up-and-deliver game, so it has... A little bit of Euro game to it and a little bit of a Marathrash to it. And you can really play it in either mode. There's a game mode where you play it like a pure old uh, pure Euro game where yeah. the person with the most money at the end of the game wins. Or you can play it where there's objectives and you're playing for victory points. Um, so, like, we really tried to, um, you know, come up with an organic way to do different game modes. There'll be a little bit of a storyline, so you can play through um, a little bit of a uh, uh, not not scenario, but a, a number of scenarios that make up a campaign. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a story there to explore. Um, we we have a fantastic artist. We got uh, Ricardo Bucarelli. The artist is amazing. I've, uh, I've seen the artwork. As I keep saying on yeah. every podcast, I love a bit of good artwork, and I really really like. The artwork. Uh, he does. Uh, he did all the art for a comic book called DMZ, which is a fantastic comic book. People should go and buy that. Yeah. Um, so they can get a little bit of a preview um, on you know the style of work that he does. But you know, seeing him bring this world to life has been absolutely amazing. For some reason, I was reminded a bit of Tank Girl, just mm-hmm. some of the ways the things are and some of the ways the enemies appear and stuff like that. Yeah, I mean, this um, is if you. If you took a, a boring Euro game and threw it in a blunder with Tank Girl, Mad Max, and Borderlands, and oh, then wow. poured it into a 12 by 12 box, this is what you get. So, um, how many? I mean, how many players is it going to play? Um, what's the playtime going to be like? Do you reckon? Uh, two to five players, um, cool. and the playtime will depend on what scenario you're playing. Um, yeah. But generally, it should play in less than two hours. That's good. So there'll be, there'll be shorter scenarios and longer scenarios. Yeah, but two hours is a good time because anything longer than that, and then you, um, 
it can lead to a bit of whether or not you decide to play it again. Yes. Um, there's some games that I've played that have taken a lot longer than that, an entire evening. And you get to the end and you kind of feel, I've kind of enjoyed it, but I know it's going to take that length of time to play again, so it might kind of kind of put me off. It's, it's um, one of the games that um, I want to keep playing as a prototype, even with the boring artwork. Like, I keep playing it when I'm not doing prototype playtesting. There's an in- and you've written a, um, there's an interesting article that's been written about um, the game on on uh, Pandasaurus.com. I th- is that that's the I think that's yes. the website, um, and that talks about the white <coughs> pieces of paper, um, the white pieces of paper being used to it's kind of like the prototype mm-hmm. while you're playing it, and that is an interesting reading. We'll we'll kind of stick a we'll stick a little link in yeah. the show notes. I have. They've done Probably a fantastic the... job. Every Wednesday, or almost every Wednesday, they've done an article, you know, about the game and game development in general. So it's it's been really they've got, cool. They've got like is it Machi Cori in there? Mm-hmm. They're responsible for that. They've been responsible for some superb little games. Uh, they they brought Tammany games. Hall out over here uh, yeah. and did the wider release of that, which is a, a fantastic game. Hmm. Machi Koro. Uh I think I have three more games signed with them so we'll be doing a lot of stuff together over the next few years that sounds that's really really exciting i mean it's i mean um where can they get i mean if you want i mean we'll put it in the show notes but if you know give us a shout where if you want to get a hold of the um of wasteland express how how do you do it well you'll want to uh just keep an eye on pandasaurus keep following wasteland wednesdays um, yes. I think they will announce it there. So either follow them on Facebook or Twitter. Um, yes. It's the best way to keep up or follow me because um, I'll certainly let people know. We should have, I believe they're planning on starting pre-orders after Gen Con. Um, Which in, is um, August, isn't it? Uh, yes, August 4th. August 4th. So it's going to be the... It should mid- be mid to late August when pre-orders start. And then... Cool. Um, with the intention of delivery, I don't want to say a date because I'll probably get in trouble. No, but let's not. As soon no. as possible, yeah, late this year, early next year. Cool. Um, how much is it going to be? I don't know. I think they're getting the final quotes on everything right now and trying to suss right. that out. So uh, it's going again... to it's going to be pretty chock full of some really nice chunky minis. Um, all uh, the all the re- instead of using resource cubes for things, hmm, yeah. uh, they're all going to be uh, not three D modeled, but uh, plastic injected uh, little like the water is barrels of water, and the guns are little ten millimeter crates of guns. Oh, that sounds awesome! So yeah, it's going to be the production awesome. value is going to be out of this world. Well, we'll I mean we'll keep an eye on it here at um, here at We're Not Wizards. I mean, well, I do. Simple as because, um, yeah. I'm, I'm, um, sure, I'm sure to get a copy of you guys as soon as possible. <laughs> don't, no, don't, because then we'll be we'll be accused of being corrupt. <laughs> um, which you know, in many ways, we're we're quite happy to be, as we say, we said about catacombs. <laughs> Send us lots of catacombs. You know, let us build a wall and a house. Yes. Um, we do. I did have one message from Colin, um, who said, um, uh, "What." What attracts you to dystopian futures? Uh, the, really the hopelessness. Uh, I've been infatuated with zombies since I was probably 
13 years old and first saw a night of the living dead um you know the old uh, black and white version and you know i i think zombies are a fantastic metaphor for just the the hopelessness of life and the you know constant uh you know never ending like death is always coming at us and there's no slowing that down so you have Mm -hmm. to you know live life to its fullest so to me, they've always been the most horrifying monsters, mm-hmm. um, and I and I like uh, yeah, I like general dystopian and post apocalyptic things just because I think it's always interesting to see. Uh, like one of my favorite books is The Road by Cormac McCarthy. Yeah, um, and seeing you know those little glimmers of hope and like how people get tested by these uh, dystopian universes and you know what makes us human. Yeah, exactly. Well, I mean, uh, um, so Colin did actually manage to get on the show. Yes. <laughs> Which is good. Uh, he must be on his way back from uh, He must be on his way back getting the antibiotics if he's able to text in this kind of wasteland. I've got to ask him where he actually gets the electricity to charge his phone from, but <laughs> that'll be another thing. Um, if people want to find you... Um, where where can they find you? Um, you know, um, if they want to, if they do want to find you on Twitter or Facebook, you know, where, where's the best place if they want to connect? Uh, probably the best place is Twitter at John J O N Gilmore G I L M O U R. They can follow me there. Um, interact with me. I love meeting people at conventions. So if you ever at a convention that I'm at, um, yeah. I'm more than happy to make time to sit down and play a game and talk and spend some yeah. time together. You've been, I mean, um, we've been, spe- as I say, we, we kind of figured out we've been speaking for um, a little over a year and a half now, um, kind of back and forward. And um, I've always, you know, you're just, it's like, it's always easy just to drop me a quick email, say hello and have a little conversation. And then you kind of, we both get on with stuff after that. But it's... Uh, um, this has been this has been a lot of fun. Um, yeah, it's been I've, great. Thank I've, you for having I've, me. I know I've really enjoyed kind of having you on. Um, again, again, keep an eye out for Wasteland Express because it looks something that's like really, really exciting. Um, when Heroes and Tricks, um, when that when we can get our hands on that, we'll, I mean, normally anything that comes through, we will we will we'll play it and we'll put it on the got to the table section. Um, for ourselves, you can get us on Twitter at We're Not Wizards. You can get us on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash We're Not Wizards. You can email us, magic at we're not wizards.com <laughs> or .co.uk. Um, again, John, many thanks for um, for kind of spending your afternoon talking to this, uh, this blatant fanboy. <laughs> My pleasure. <laughs> yeah, but... Um, just going on just again thanks again for for being on and 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 just for everybody out there remember that we are many things but we're not wizards say goodbye john goodbye (laughs) bye for now thank you